Welcome to Multicellular, the show where I talk about science things I find neat. I'm your host, Rachel Ramos, here with our co-host, Alex Reed. Today, we're going to be going over the history of the human microbiome, first diving into the modern science behind it, and then stay tuned to find out what's in your gut. Be sure to listen all the way through for details, and if you're interested or want to fact check us, find our citations in the description. Imagine, 1800s Europe, all around advances in fashion, electricity, cholera, society, and yes, even human microbiome research. Microbiome pioneers were making their debut. These people were Theodore Escherich, Henry Tessier, Ilya Metchnikov. And why do we care about any of these people? Well, they were pretty much the founders of the human microbiome. Did they do anything else? Yeah, I'm going to go into that. Are they like famous? Are they rock stars? Are they? I'm going to tell you about it. Now, the 1800s was a huge time for medicine, and in the late 1880s, there was a transition from the miasma theory, or the theory that bad smells cause disease, to the germ theory that germs cause disease. Now, everything changed around the 1840s when microflora was discovered, very similar to the microbiome, and when Robert Koch discovered that bacteria and viruses can cause disease, well, we'll get into that later. For now, we'll start by talking about our first pioneer, Theodore Escherich. In fact, he was the person to find E. coli in our microbiome, though he originally called it Bacterium coli commune. And this was such a big step in realizing that bacteria are in our gut microbiome. E. coli plays such a huge part in that, and that's why he's a pioneer. Bifobacterium is another bacterium found in our gut. Henry Tessier found that babies that were breastfed had an abundance of it in their microbiome. Tessier found that when babies and adults ate this bifobacterium cultures, it wouldn't have any harmful side effects. And in fact, it would actually restore some of the microbiomes inside them. So, he originally found the first probiotic, Bacillus acidipara lactici. Another microbiome pioneer, and personally my favorite, is Ilya Mechnikov, a Ukrainian doctor and Nobel Prize winner. With his contributions to science by discovering phagocytosis, which is when a cell consumes another cell that may be harmful to the host, he was actually working under Pasteur in his rabies institute during Pasteur's rabies phase. Isn't Pasteur like the milk guy, why it's called pasteurized? Yeah, yeah, it's the milk guy. He also invented the rabies vaccine. Metchnikov aided in microbiome research by thinking that the bacteria in our gut caused senility or to be senile, and that yogurt was the way to live a long life without becoming senile. He popularized yogurt, which is also a probiotic, and made people aware of the bacterium found in our guts. So he kind of like contributed to the craze of yogurt nowadays. Though Mechnikov was probably wrong that our gut microbiome caused us to be senile, Robert Koch, you know, Koch, another Nobel Prize winner, discovered that bacteria can lead to diseases. For example, anthrax, tuberculosis, septicemia, cholera. So let's move on into modern day research. What is the microbiome? Microbiomes, for us at least, are in 
and on our bodies, which is super fascinating. Okay, because, yeah, I know <laughs> animals and stuff, and they all yeah. are one biome. You know, they're all, like, in a desert or yeah. in a jungle. Exactly. It's essentially that, except with microorganisms, so microbiome. Okay. So our microbiomes, though, are specific to ourselves. Actually, it's kind of like a fingerprint, if you think about it. And slightly off-topic fun fact, our phones actually have super similar microbiomes to us. So so it's just completely unique to each person? Absolutely. Okay, what, what, what makes them unique? Like, the kind of organisms in it or like how big they are you know what's the variable yeah yeah so actually we have so many bacteria on our body but essentially it's the diversity that makes it different between person to person so it's different bacteria that vary from person to person essentially microbiomes are used for metabolism for immune system and for our gut health and for our guts to be communicating with our brain so it's like something we evolved around. Yes. It's not like a parasite or anything? No, it's it's not a it's not a parasite. It's actually a symbiotic relationship. These microorganisms that we have on and in our bodies range from bacteria to fungi to really anything else you can think of. We help them out, they help us out. And we're both benefiting from this relationship. So they like suck our blood? Is that what you're telling me? No, they don't suck our blood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they they suck some nutrients and stuff, but they also make some nutrients. So it's it's it varies from bacteria, of course, but I don't know. The thought that there's like millions of small things living in my body, they didn't get a permit for that. No. I don't know. <laughs> well, they don't pay rent. I agree. So if there's a ton of these, you know, microscopic animals living in us i don't know that makes me feel kind of icky because they're like these germs living in us like i know you said it was symbiotic but what what exactly do we get out of this they get a nice place to stay where they get all the nutrients to eat and they break down our food in our gut so the bacteria in our gut absorbs and breaks down nutrients for us to digest and they also make amino acids and vitamins that are important for our diet Okay, so we've established that they, everyone has a microbiome. What exactly do they do to affect our daily lives, and how do we impact theirs? That's a really good question. There are five ways we can impact or change our microbiome. Diet, age, environment, genetics, and antibiotics. For antibiotics, for example... They give us diarrhea. Do you know why that is? No. I didn't even know they gave us diarrhea. Yeah, so some antibiotics can give us diarrhea because they're killing the bacteria in our gut. It's not only killing the bad bacteria that's causing the infection, but it's also killing good bacteria too. Okay, so that's antibiotics and how it affects our biome. What about, you know, how does the food I eat change? Like, I imagine... You know, maybe some microbes really like chicken and some really don't like spicy food. You know, does that is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So the way that you eat impacts the microbiome within it. It's actually shown that people who eat more fast foods have a less diverse microbiome, which can inflict different kinds of problems. 
Like, for example, if you eat more fiber, it can actually lower the pH of your intestines and therefore some bacteria will thrive and then other bacteria will die because some bacteria cannot live in those conditions. So why is it important if some bacteria survives and some bacteria dies? Does there, is there a certain balance that you need to have? A healthy gut microbiome includes a very diverse amount of bacteria mm-hmm. and it has not too much to be overpopulation, but it has a lot of bacteria. Hmm. Yeah, another thing that can help is probiotics. Probiotics help supplement a lack of healthy gut bacteria. So it's kind of like implanting that back into your body. And people also get fecal transplants. Wait, what's a fecal transplant? So a fecal transplant is a taking fecal matter from one person with a healthy microbiome and transplanting it into a person with an unhealthy microbiome. Hmm. Probiotics and antibiotics. What what are the difference? When do you take one, when don't you take the other? Like typically, if you're taking antibiotics, you probably should be taking probiotics because you're killing all of the not only bad bacteria that's causing the infection, but you're also killing your good bacteria that's Mm. helping you out with digestion. You typically take antibiotics when you have a bacterial infection. It's for bacterial infections. That's the word, antibiotics, antibacteria. And then you have probiotics, which implant new and healthy bacteria within your body so that you have a diverse and healthy amount of microorganisms within your microbiome. Okay, so now that we've kind of talked about how we can change our microbiome uh, vis-a-vis our diet or um, like antibiotics, what exactly does a changed microbiome mean? Like if you're taking antibiotics or off antibiotics, like what, what does that actually mean? According to Integrative Medicine and Curious Publishing, it has been found that there's actually a link of imbalanced microbiome with depression, inflammatory bowel disease, irritable bowel syndrome, allergies, eczema, obesity, and type 2 diabetes. Though the link between that and depression is kind of casual because these research studies are very recent and there's not a whole lot of them yet. But still, it's linked to a lot of just bad health things. Yeah, yeah. It can cause a lot of autoimmune disorders. And yeah, yeah. And I will go into that later because it's super fascinating. And Curious Publishing has actually had a study that showed that rodents who received fecal transplants from people with major depressive disorder eventually exhibited signs of MDD and basically had a lack of diversity in their gut microbiome. Hmm. So it can be transplanted. All of the things that I listed are caused by lack of diversity and lack of bacteria in general. I want to highlight a couple because they're interesting. So do you know what IBS is? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard of it, but I don't know the specifics. Irritable bowel syndrome. It is pretty much when there's a disorder with functional bowels it can cause pain and discomfort with defecation or just the bowel in general so we don't exactly know why it's caused but we do know that the microbiome has a lot of impact with it 
inflammatory bowel disease, or IBD, which encompasses Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, also have lack of microbiome. These disorders are characterized by inflammation of the intestines. And actually, there was also a study done that showed that people with ulcerative colitis, once inoculated with a stool sample, for example, fecal transplantation, were in remission within a week and then had complete recovery after four months. So essentially, fecal transplants work and you can see that ulcerative colitis has a direct linkage with the microbiome of our guts. Wow, that, that is actually really interesting. Yeah. Okay, so atopic eczema is an autoimmune skin disorder. And if a baby has this, they will have more fatty parts within their bacterial cells, which can induce immune responses. Hmm. Vaginal birthing actually increases our healthy microbiome within a month, can also be connected to eczema and other allergies. So Mm. babies born vaginally are less likely to have eczema and allergies. I feel like you've definitely proven that these, you know, microbiomes are super important. How, How can we be sure we keep the same microbiome? How can we maintain our microbiome or have a healthy microbiome? What steps can we do to, can I do to have a healthy microbiome? So our microbiomes are constantly changing, but the best way to keep our microbiome healthy and happy is by eating better and take probiotics. Take probiotics. Interesting. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. Follow our Instagram at Multicellular Podcast for more updates. I hope you guys also found the science of microbiomes neat. And again, if you're interested about reading more, find our citations in the description. See you next time here at Multicellular. <laughs>